0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Uh, But today is a culmination of our six weeks into one week. Uh, The entire six weeks is culminating to this one moment. And I think it's really important for us to really understand in our walk with the Lord um, what it means uh, to know God, not just know about God, not just have an understanding of the idea of God, but to actually have a relationship with God, a relationship with Him. And so we're going to start with our key text today, and it's an interesting uh, scripture, and we're actually going to go there, and then we're going to come back to it in the end and give you context for it in the very, very end of our message today. But we're going to go on a little bit of a journey, uh, and we're going to talk today about the presence of God, because today we're talking about the uh, Jehovah or Yahweh Shama, which means the Lord is there, or the Lord is here. And so we're going to look at the past, the present, and the future of God's presence. The past, the present, and the future of God's presence in our lives. And so this is our key text here in Ezekiel 48, verse 35. And it says this, The distance around the entire city will be six miles, and from that day the name of the city will be the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. And so... This Something you have to understand about the presence of God, that the presence of God, God's presence, is He is om, 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 omniscient. He is om, om, omnipotent. God is everywhere, constantly, throughout history. God has always been present. God's presence is always omnipresent. He's around us. He's with us. He's omniscient. And uh, Psalms 19 talks about this. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is, is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. So the, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth and the, the oceans and the mountains and the sky declare the glory and the splendor and the wonder of God. Paul brings us into Romans chapter 1 and says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so everyone in creation, actually, and we'll talk about this in our Heaven and Hell series, every single person on the earth and in creation is actually experiencing the presence of God. We have a little bit of heaven and a little bit of hell on this earth that we live on. When you have a really bad day, things are really terrible, life feels awful, you feel lonely and depressed, you're tasting a little bit of what hell might be like. When you're experiencing joy, joy that's indescribable, when you're having a good time, when a baby is born and you're a with the overwhelming joys of of the newness of life, or a new marriage, or whatever it might be, you're tasting a little bit of heaven. And so we have all these different experiences on our life, when we reality what we're experiencing is the absolute omniscient, omnipresent presence of God. But there's another type of presence of God, which is the manifest presence of God. This is the personal presence of God. The the Jewish rabbis have coined this term, it's not a biblical term, it's not found in scripture, but it's a Jewish... Jewish word that are a Hebrew word that they've coined called the Shekinah presence of God or the Shekinah glory of God, and so this the word the phrase is a way to describe when God comes down from heaven and comes into our lives and is present and is with us and is around us and we sense him and we know he's here. It is the manifest presence of God. And so hang on for a minute, buckle up. I'm just going to give you a little bit of context for this idea that all throughout scripture, God has been revealing his uh, Shekinah glory or his personal presence. All throughout history, we have seen this reality in Exodus 13:21. It says that the Lord went ahead of them. It was a fire and a cloud. God led the people of Israel with a fire in a cloud, he went ahead of them in the form of a fire and a cloud. Or we see in Exodus 14, he was an angel. It says that the angel of the Lord of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. We see here in Exodus 32 another angel, of the Lord, but he appeared in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. He came in the form of fire again in Exodus 19. The Lord descended on the mountain in the form of a fire. In Exodus 23 God told Moses to build a temple. And he said, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. So all throughout history, we see the personal manifest presence of God, coming down as an angel, coming down as a fire, coming down uh, in in a a pillar of cloud, coming down into the sanctuary of God, now resting in this temple. And when Solomon built the temple that was built with human hands to house the very manifest presence of God, Solomon said this in 1 Kings 8, but God, will God really live on earth? Why even the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple i have built and so we hear we learn here that god's manifest personal presence has been coming down on the earth from the very beginning of time god's presence has been coming and he's been showing himself in these god these god characteristics and attributes that we've been talking about. He's been coming down as Jehovah Jireh, uh, our provider. He's been coming down as, as Jehovah Rapha, my healer, and Jehovah Shalom, my peace, Jehovah Nisi, my fighter, my protector, and my intercessor. He's in my Jehovah here. Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd, or Jehovah Sid Canoe, or Side Canoe, my righteousness. We see all throughout history, God has been revealing himself to mankind through his personal attributes. and his personal character revealing to us the kind of God that he is. He's gracious and he's loving and he's caring and he's a healer and he's a provider and he's a shepherd and he comes to give peace and he comes to give righteousness and heal our lives. All throughout scripture we see Jehovah Shammah revealing himself through these ways. We experience the presence of God. But in order for us to understand today's text which is the last revelation in the Old Testament of God's compound Hebrew names. It's the last time we see God reveal himself in this way. It's very interesting. The last time that we see God identifying or the scripture identifying a nature and a character of this Jehovah Yahweh Hebrew God is in this scripture. And in order to understand what Ezekiel was saying, we have to look at the context of really the entire book of Ezekiel, which we won't do today, thank the Lord. But I will give you a quick overview with some colorful words so that it's very interesting for you. How about that? We look in in Ezekiel 8 to 8 to 11 and notice I didn't even put the scripture on there so you should say thank God Ryan didn't do that cuz Ezekiel is really brutal but 25 years Ezekiel had served as a prophet. If you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is somebody who hears from God and speaks to his people. And he was also a priest. A priest is somebody who works in the temple and does all of the the necessary responsibilities to ensure that the God's presence would come down in the temple. And so he was a prophet and a priest for 25 years when the people of Israel were taken captive by Babylon. They were in exile. And as they were now under a new political regime, under a new political world, where they were basically being ruled by a, a, a rulership and a, a government that w- did not recognize Yahweh God, they recognized other gods. and so they were in a very, very foreign environment and Ezekiel was this prophet, he was this priest, and he served these people during this time. And there was a moment in, in, in Ezekiel 8 to 11 where Ezekiel was shown by God that the Shekinah personal presence of God left. The temple. It departed from the earth. And we see that in this verse of Ezekiel 8, God begins to actually take Ezekiel on a journey to the temple, to the church. And he walks him into the church, because I have some things to show you, my son. And he walks him into the temple, and this is the temple of God. This was uh, the temple that had been built to house the very presence of the Almighty God. And he begins to walk him through this, this, this temple. And he begins to show him terrible things that these priests were doing. These priests at the north gate entrance by the altar of God had built another idol right next to the altar of God. So here's the altar that they would burn incense to experience God, the manifest presence of Jehovah God. And next to it they would have an idol that they would also worship. And they would take reptiles and lizards and these types of animals that were detestable in the sight of God and they would have them all running around the temple and they would put paintings on the wall of these lizards and all of these reptiles and all of these different things and they would, they would build statues to these different filthy idols and, and each priest, uh, the, the pastors who worked for that church had their own little secret rooms for their own little secret gods. And so they would walk down the, actually the, the aisle of the, the, the temple or the church and the, the youth pastor would have a little, a little idol in his office. And they walk down the other room and, and the worship pastor would have an idol in his office and the different churches and the different temples, they had all these different individual little hidden places where they would keep their idols where nobody could see them and they would go in there when no one was looking and they would burn incense to this foreign individual God in their lives to these gods and the women would gather around the temple and they would cry because they were told that their god Tammuz had died and the god Tammuz had died and so you need to begin to cry and weep that God might bring him back and that he might come back from the dead again because he had died and then you have he finally showed him walking into the very inner court of God and there's this beautiful altar and what would happen is 25 men would get on their hands and knees before the altar of God and they would worship god in the presence of god but when he walked in the room all they were all in the entrance and they were in the right place but their backs were turned to the the altar of God their backs were turned to the altar and they were actually bowing down and worshiping the sun instead of the very presence of God and Ezekiel was seeing this terrible vision of of what was happening in the church, and what was happening in the temple, and what was happening in their midst, that there was all this idolatry and worship, and in, the, in the outer court they would walk out there, and priests would be having sex with prostitutes in broad daylight, and mass orgies would be happening just to worship the different gods of Aphrodite and the different gods throughout that time, and they were just bringing such detestable practices into the very place, and God couldn't handle it anymore. Just like being in a relationship with your husband or your wife or a friend, God is the same way. He's a personal God. And in this story, we see that God just said, I just can't handle this any longer. I can't allow this to happen in my home any longer. I can't allow it any longer. And he began to show him in Ezekiel chapter 10, this chariot came down from the sky and it had these wheels and in the wheels were more wheels. This is why I didn't read the scripture because it's very confusing. But all these wheels and more wheels and on this chariot, in front of the chariot were these angels, these cherubim and in front of the cherubim and it says that God was actually on top of this chariot and God came down into his house and he blew his smoke into the house of god and the very glory of god spread all throughout the house of god one last blast of god's presence in the house of god and god blew his presence throughout the entire temple and not one priest even saw And so God's presence moved to the steps in front of Solomon's colonnade, where on the east side of the gate, where God's presence actually moved outside of the temple, outside, and not one priest saw it. They were so backslidden and they were so uh, far gone in their idolatry and in the things that they were worshiping other than God that they didn't even realize that the very presence, the manifest personal presence of God, was leaving the church, it was exiting the door went to the steps and it moved to Solomon's temple and continued to move to the eastern gate. And finally the presence of God went above the city, above the temple on Mount Moriah, where we read in the very beginning of our series where God came to Abraham as he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he was about to kill his son Isaac. And God came, Jehovah Jireh revealed himself and provided a ram in the thicket. And when he provided this ram in the thicket, he said, I'm going to name this place Jehovah-Jireh because God is my provider. On the very same spot where Abraham experienced the manifest personal presence of God was the last place where God himself, his presence stood at the very top of the mountain overlooking the temple. And one last glance and not one person cried out, oh God, don't leave us here. And at that moment, the presence of God lifted into the sky And that was when we started our gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Many theologians believe it was 400 years where there was not one account of the personal manifest Shekinah glory of God being recorded. It was a season of silence. And maybe you have been in this place before. You, maybe you're here today and you're living between the Old Testament and the New Testament where you feel as though maybe God's presence has left me or I don't feel God like I used to or it feels as though I've been abandoned or it feels like I'm lost or it feels like, man, it feels like, yeah, I've made too many mistakes or I've gone too far. Or I've, I've made, I've, I've, I've just done too many wrong things, or I feel so distant from God, and you just feel as though you understand the awareness that God is in nature, and God is in the clouds, and God is in the sun, and God is everywhere, but I don't feel him any longer in my life. I feel as though he's left. I feel as though he's departed. I feel as though he's gone. And for 400 years, these people experienced, they did not have the atmosphere of Jehovah Shammah. Maybe you're here today and I would put money on it. There's a lot of people in this room who understand the awareness of God and they come to a Sunday gathering or they come to a church or they come to a religious environment or a Christian environment and they're aware of God. I believe in God. I know God, but I sure don't feel God. I don't sense God in my life. I don't sense that he's with me. I don't feel him like Ryan's always talking about or this person's always talking. I don't understand that. I just feel, even though I feel him on the outside, I I feel like an empty shell on the inside. And you know what it must have felt like and God knows what those people felt like because God's presence was still there. He just was not ministering his personal presence to the people on the planet. And then something happened. 400 years later, the Bible says that At just the right time. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 14, so the Word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. That word, made his home among us, means dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, he templed among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God decided that I'm not going to come back in a pillar of cloud and I'm not going to come back as an angel and I'm not going to come back and inhabit a, a, a building or a temple or a, a box. I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back and I'm going to choose to reject the idea of God and my son, I'm going to send my Son and Jesus will now be the embodiment of the very glory manifest Shekinah, presence of God. And this Jesus came to earth and he made a personal decision to come and say, I need to go back because they've not experienced my personal presence but we're not going to do it like we did it before. This time we're going to do it the way that we've always wanted to do it. We're going to come back to restore something in their lives that they once had back in the original intention when I created them Ad, with Adam and Eve. There was an original intention that I had for them and now I want to come back and I want to restore that to their lives. And look what it says in Philippians verse two, chapter 2.6. And though he was God, he did not think equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death. Jesus came to earth and as you know, he lived a sinless life and he was crucified, a murderer's death, and he was buried and he, was, he rose from the dead. And you say, Ryan, why does that matter? Why do we always talk about that? It matters because he went through all the trouble to restore back to you what he originally intended for your life he wants to live in your life he wants to be in your mind, in your heart. He wants to be in your in all of your decisions. He wants to be in your parenting. He wants to be in your marriage. He wants to be involved in every single facet of your life. And the only way for Him to get you back to that place is if God sent His Son to be the ultimate sacrifice. So no more temples. Jesus was going to be the sacrifice so that now you can boldly, freely and accept the very presence of God into your life with not doing a single work, with not Acting out a certain way w- while being a sinner, while being broken, while being lost, while not having anything figured out, while being confused and full of fear, the same Spirit of God wants to come and fill your life through Jesus Christ. And He came to this earth and He did that just for you, but then something else happened. Jesus died and He rose on the third day and then He visited His disciples, and it says this John 20. 19 that sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the jewish leaders suddenly jesus was standing there among them peace be with you he said as he spoke he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side and they were filled with joy when they saw the lord and again he said peace be with you as the father has sent me so i am sending you and then he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit if you forgive anyone's sins they're forgiven if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven Jesus. The embodiment of the very Shekinah presence of God, the very manifest presence of God that was in the pow was in the pillar of cloud, was in the fire by 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 night, that was in the temple, that was in the ark of the covenant that David brought back to Jerusalem, that was in the very place of God in the tabernacle of Moses, that was in the in, in the temple of Solomon. Now he came to you and he breathed into your life, and he now gave you became the tabernacle, you became the temple, you became the house for the very presence of the manifest presence of God, the creator of the universe, the one who in his own thinking and his own wisdom created the universe and designed all the things that we see from the mountaintops to the sky to the cosmos and the intricacies of the little parts of your life that you don't understand how they're there. God, that God lives inside of you. The same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. He breathed into you. You. He gave you the manifest presence of God. He gave you the Shekinah glory of God. He gave you the personal presence of God. Look what Colossians says. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles, too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing. His glory, look at this, 1 Corinthians six 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with six again. For we are the temple of the living God. Not the dead God. <laughs> the living God. And God said, I will live in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Do you understand that the very creator of the universe, that your Jehovah Jireh, your provider, lives in you? Did you know that all the different things we've been talking about God for the last six weeks, everything that I've articulated for you is culminated to this one very point to say that 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 same God lives in you? The same Jehovah Jireh, the God that's living in you, that provides for all your needs, according to his will in your life? the God who provides for your deepest need, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals your bitterness, your unforgiveness and pain, the one who can come and restore your life when you were hurt and broken, Jehovah Shalom, which brings peace, not just the, the essence of peace or the feelings of peace, but his peace himself lives in you, so that when you experience anxiety and depression and fear, you say, oh, well, well I'm a temple of Jehovah's, Jehovah Shalom, like I've got peace itself living in my life, anxiety and depression. You are not welcome in our midst. Do you know that you have Jehovah Nishi, your protector and your fighter and your intercessor, living inside of you? Did you know that you have Jehovah Rohi Jehovah Raha who wants to be your shepherd? He wants to guide you and lead you and care for you. Your righteousness, your your, your powerful presence of God in your life. Did you know that you have Jehovah Shammah, his presence living in you? He lives in you. We must recognize that in order for us to experience everything God has for your life, you must recognize that. But I want to ask you a question. Why did God leave the temple in the first place? Because it wasn't clean. I took some verses out of some of these verses. There's three different verses we talked about. Two of them refer to the temple. One of them refers to Jesus breathing in his Holy Spirit. And I took some verses out Let's read them again with the verses. 2 Corinthians 6. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers, for we are the temple of the living God. Look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 6.16. Run from sexual sin. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And then lastly here, John 20, says he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. He says here, it talks about forgiveness, sexual sin, and aligning your life intimately with, With people who are not followers of God. These are three different examples of ways in which we can actually begin to feel a disconnect from the presence of the Lord, the manifest personal presence of God. I want you to look at this picture for a minute. Look at this picture of this house. This dilapidated old home that once was so beautiful, was once a custom home on a beautiful country piece of of, of property and and it's fallen apart and the siding has gone bad, and the inside needs renovation, and, and it needs a new roof, and it, it needs just a check on the foundation, and man, even the grass needs to be manicured and taken care of. And these people who own this home want there to be a renovation. They want there to be an overhaul on their home. But the owner of the home has to give the keys to the master renovator. He has to give the keys to the professional who knows what they're doing, who knows knows how to do the inside and knows how to do the lawn and knows how to get the siding figured out and knows how to put on a new roof. This week I, 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 I had a new door in my garage and, and I Drew, my friend Drew came over and helped me and it took him about 40 minutes and it would have taken me about 40 days to do that and I just assumed, you know what, I'm going to pay the people who know what they're doing to come and help me because what's happening is if you do your own renovations, if any homeowner knows you do your own renovations, three years down the line you're going to be paying a professional to undo what you did to redo what you should have done and it costs 10 times more. So instead, just give the keys to the right people. And in this this picture here is a picture of many followers of Jesus today that we've got, we've got dilapidated inside, we've got room run-down siding, we, we just there's no vision anymore, and we, it's because we just haven't given the keys of the temple over to the Holy Spirit. I said all right, Jesus. Like I recognize that. Like I'm I recognizing that you're real. I acknowledge intellectually that there's a God. I've even been, become a Christian. I've said the prayer. I've done the thing, and I get it all. Like you're experiencing the omniscient presence of God, the omnipresent presence of God. You are recognizing that God is real. But once in a while, when you come into this Sunday morning and you begin to feel something you haven't felt before, what you're feeling is the personal Jehovah Shama presence of God. And see, the only way for you to experience this is if for us to just clean our temple. You gotta give your keys over. You gotta hand the keys over to the master renovator for your life so that you could begin to experience a renovation of a beautiful home that was restored back to its former glory. It has a manicured lawn and a beautiful backyard and Man, just like this home is just beautiful. That was a redone home, renovated home. And this is what God wants to do in your life. But you've got to hand over the keys to your life. And I just want to encourage you today... To to experience freedom in your life by taking those keys and saying, "All right, God, I'm done. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I'm done trying to have relationships on my own. I'm done trying to do my finances on my own. I'm done trying to beat this sexual addiction on my own. I'm done trying to beat this uh, alcoholic addiction. I'm done trying to fix my marriage. I'm done trying to fight this area of my life. I'm done trying to beat depression. I'm done trying to be better at life. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. done. Just take the key. Peace for goodness sakes. What happens is, the faithful God, Jehovah Shama, comes and He fills your life. He fills you in that dilapidated home. You think, oh, i got to get here. No, no, this is what He does once He enters your life. When you experience the very presence, the manifest presence of Jesus Christ, you begin to experience something begins to happen. I want you to read this scripture in John 15. I am the true grapevine. My Father is the gardener. Look at this, Jesus is talking about himself. The gardener cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Jesus is talking about himself. And then he says this, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. He says, listen, you... You've accepted me. I've already come into your life. I've already started cleaning you and transforming you. But then he says this. So I've already done that in your life. But now he says this, verse 4. But you have to remain in me. And I will remain in you. Look at this. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Look at this. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Yep, that's what the picture is. So those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Look at this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's where a lot of followers of Jesus are living. In the place where they realize, I just, apart from you God, I can do nothing. Like, I've tried to do it on my own. I've tried to make it on my own. I'm a Christian, but on the inside God, I feel like I'm in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You feel pretty distant from me right now. And God says, okay, then there's some things I need to cut out. There's some things I need to prune. And you've got to give me the keys to your garden. you got to give me the keys to your Home and let me start cutting and let me start pruning. And yes, it's gonna hurt. And yes, you're gonna like that thing that you love to do and you're gonna have to give it up. Yes, 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 yes. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I so badly want you to understand that you cannot experience what God has for your life if you do not let Him cut that crud out. You've got to let go, and it's hard. And you might fall back, and you might fall in, and you might find yourself stumbling and going back into the temple and putting up that reptile God in your secret place. I get it. I'm there all the time, this week myself. I experienced things in my own life. where just God convicted me. And I had to go into that secret place and say, oh, no, 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 get out, get down, no, boom. I'm not letting that in my temple any longer because I want the fruit, of a relationship with Jesus to come into my life. Look what he says here in verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. Parentheses according to my will. In parentheses. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That brings great glory to my Father. So when we begin to give our keys to the garden, and he begins to cut, cuts out attitudes and pride, sexual sin, spending our money wrong, running from God, running from community, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, just let him come and just cut that sucker out. And when that happens, what happens is, is that in your life, you begin to experience fruit. And the Bible says, his true disciples, listen, his true disciples are those who produce fruit. How do you produce fruit? You've got to get cut and pruned. <laughs> what happens when we become his true disciples? You bring great glory to God. And Maybe you're here today and you're like a living in the, the silence You feel like maybe you haven't felt God in a while and you haven't experienced His presence in a while and the way to start doing that is to to take the keys out of your pocket and give ownership to Him. You know, the great thing about it is that no matter what you've done or where you've gone or mistakes you've made no matter what's happened in your life He still wants those keys. It's not like you have to get these things figured out and then He's ready. No, He wants the keys to your heart. He wants the keys to your life. He wants your mind and your soul. He wants your relationships and your finances. You have to respond to Him. You say, Ryan, I'm in a silence years so and I need to give the keys over to God today. I want you to place your hand in the air boldly. By faith today, say, come on, I need to give my keys back to God today. Come on, there's hands all across the room today. Come on, just for a few moments. Just put your hand in the air like you're declaring, all right, God, today is a day I want to give my keys back to you. Come on, Father, you see these hands in the room today, God, all across the room, God. I believe today is a a holy moment. It's a holy moment, God, where you want our church to be a Jehovah Shammah church. And you want your people to be Jehovah Shammah people. Now, Lord, I pray right now, God, that even as you gave Ezekiel a vision of the areas of the, of, of the temple that were being desecrated, God, that even in their own lives, I pray even today, Holy Spirit, that you would take them on a journey down the temple of their life, whether it's their marriage or their finances or their, 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 their areas of uh, habitual sin or whatever it may be in their life, Holy Spirit, I pray even right now you would reveal to them what is the secret thing in that secret place the Lord they've been hiding from everyone else. God, you see it, and today you want to come and forgive and redeem and set free. I speak uh, bondages broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Bondages of fear, bondages of sin, bondages of doubt, bondages of brokenness and bitterness and unforgiveness be broken in the presence of God right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we acknowledge today, Father, that these hands that have been lifted say, God, we want you to come in. We want you to come in. Come on, everybody in the room this morning, would you repeat after me? I want every voice in this place as one church today, let's declare this out loud. Repeat after me Dear Lord Jesus, I give you the keys. Will you please forgive me? I want you in my life. Will you heal my heart? Forgive me of my sin? Break every bondage? Shatter every fear? Fill every doubt? Bring new joy. Come on, you're praying for yourself now, so come on, pray this. Bring new joy. New peace. New life. Refresh me today. I give you the keys to my life. I'm yours. Here we go. Cut me, God. Bring me. Do what you need to do in my life. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ I'd love to actually talk to you today if you say you want to you want to come and chat a little bit I'm gonna make myself available to you and stand right back there Want to come and chat with me I'd love to meet you and tell you a little bit more about the Lord we do have our next steps class today and Don of Marley prepared food for us if you've not been a part of that go ahead right after church today head right back in that, that room and just a quick it's about 45 minutes watch a quick video, free lunch, and we learn more about what we are as a church. I want to tell you what it means to become a member of the family. So if you've not done that, I want to strongly encourage you to do that today uh, as you join this community of faith and become an integral part of what God's doing in Love City Church. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.